Alright you guys, welcome back to Little Man Big Conversations. Today is a special episode because I get to interview a guy I have known for, I want to say, pretty much for 12 years, but we've only started working together in the last couple of years. This man is a fellow pioneer in the Queensland wrestling scene. He started his own promotion, one of the first in Tasmania. He has had three incarnations of his character, and today I am proud to sit alongside, actually be sitting alongside, my fellow tag team champion and the main instigator, originator, and creator of the El Cartel stable that I am proud to be a part of. Ladies and gentlemen, it brings me great pleasure to welcome to the table today Diablo, how are you, man? I'm good, Flash. I'm really good. Finally out of isolation and... Love and life. Oh man, it's uh, it's surreal to have everything that's going on because you and I were in a situation where we just become tag champs of a federation. We were just getting the ball rolling. We had done such an awesome creative moment where you and I got to finally work together as a team and then the world shuts down. So yeah, it is nice to finally see you again, man. <laughs> it says a lot about our wrestling, doesn't it? It's like, <laughs> hey, we uh, we become tag champs and, and the world turns to shit. So yeah, it says a lot, doesn't it, really? What have we done? Now, do you prefer I call you Diablo? Do you prefer if I call you, some people might know you as Jethro? Oh, look, I've, I've been called a lot of things in my time, mate. But, um, but yeah, like, I suppose everyone has just known me as Jethro. Yeah. It's been, you know, almost 20 years of um, running around in tights and wrestling men. So, <laughs> And I also do pro wrestling as well. Um, yeah, so, yeah, Jethro's fine, mate. Okay, cool. Do you want your real name too or are you happy to do the work? No, names? don't tell anyone. Oh, okay. Uh, All right, so I'm here with Elizabeth. No. <laughs> All right, man. Well, like I said at the top of this podcast, um, I've known of you since like pretty much when I started because I started down in a federation called IPW. Before then, they were known as Major Impact. Before then, they were known as WCW. Australia. Yes, WCW Australia. And when I had signed up, there was a lot of memorabilia and, and flyers and newspaper articles and old photos and things like that and championships and people that were there and people that weren't there. And I'd always seen this name popped up called Jethro. And it wasn't until I think maybe I started in 2008. So I want to say maybe a year later, maybe one or two shows there where one show you were in the crowd and I was told that you were there and I was, I was not kidding. I was shit nervous to come in, keep, even come and say something. And I think a couple of months later, if not the next month, you would come and done a show but I don't think we ever really spoke until, oh, I mean, I think the first memory I have of speaking to you was maybe... The time I wanted to kill you for uh, using the wrong music, thanks to Ash, you piece of shit. <laughs> Probably that time. Yeah, so that, okay, so that story came about because, uh, yeah, it was, the, it was the show that you came and did in 2009, I want to say. Mm, something like that. And... Uh, I was helping to run sound that show and I was sitting up at the desk and I, I, I remember I kept, the locker room was just down, like the, the sound was upstairs, the locker room was downstairs, you could sort of look down into it and I remember you standing behind the curtain and Ash had come up before the show and he said, hey, you know, have you got music for Jethro? And I said, yeah, yeah, he's given me his music already and Ash goes, no, nah, no, nah, it's the wrong one and I went, yeah, because the wrestler who brings you his music would definitely be wrong and Ash would definitely have the right music. I can see how he got away with this. And I went, oh, okay, well, and he goes, no, no, he wants to change it and, I, and I've got the song on my USB and I went, okay, and he goes, yeah, here, here it is. And I went, Cotton Eye Joe. God, and I remember playing, yes, that song, When Up It, and I remember playing that song and I swear that memory is burnt into my brain, the look you gave me and you, I remember you mailing the words, motherfucker. <laughs> and you went out there I don't furious. think they were the only words I mouthed at you. But <laughs> I, I think I just remember looking up and looking at you going, who is this little shit who's done this to me? <laughs> and then I think I looked over at Ash and he was laughing and I just thought, oh, my God, he's got me again. Yeah, yeah. But I, uh, I remember having lots of conversations with you in the crowd with the IPW shows. Mm -hmm. Like I think... I think uh, BJ Blade was also there. We had we had 
conversations and talking. I think he was my driver at the time. <laughs> yeah. We had, we had spoken about working together and then an opportunity came up to work together in Venom and we did the El Cartel and we did the Angle and we had this three three matches together. And uh, I'm going to say, man, there was, there was this uh, time in my wrestling where I wanted to at least work with in some way, shape or form all the guys that had helped pave the way wrestling up up here in Queensland, whether it be Ash, whether it be Benny, whether it be Scorn, whether it be yourself, I wanted to at least some way, shape or form all the guys that I had been exposed to when I started, when I given the video library in 2009, 2010, all the old tapes from the early 2000s, all the merchandise, all the flyers that I had seen, I thought, man, it'd be so cool to work with these guys that arguably helped create what I had joined eight years later because I felt like that was almost sort of stepping back in time and learning from people that had gone through a time and a period up here where it was like, there's nothing to look back on. There is no history up here. We are creating the history. And to know that you also felt the same, you went, you know, Ben speaks high of you. There's a lot of guys here that have worked with you. And, you know, when are we going to do it? When are we going to do it? And we did manage to do it. We got a three-peat out of it. We joined up. We won tag titles not thereafter. Um, and, man, it, it's been such an awesome ride thus far. But that was my perspective on it. I know you're going <laughs> to either swear or make a joke. you to shreds in a minute. But uh, is, am, I, am I right in what was I saying? Like you wanted to also do some work together? Yeah. Like, look, the, the first time I think I ever saw you wrestle is you wrestled as The Undertaker. Oh no! I'm sorry. And, and I um and I just remember I remember being in the crowd and I remember I think I was visiting and um and BJ had you know come and had said hey let's go check out an IPW show just you know because he was I think he was like out with an injury at the time and we came and then like and you know because I've been gone so long I hadn't seen a lot of the the new generation yeah and then all of a sudden I heard Undertaker's music hit. And I just looked at BJ and I was like, wow, things have really improved around here since we've been gone. <laughs> and then and then you came out doing the slow walk and I just remember thinking, oh, my God, what, 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 what is that? What is going on? <laughs> What's going on here? Yeah. And, um, and, and I just remember, I, I can't remember who you wrestled and you tombstoned them. Which yep. I thought because they were actually bigger than you. Well, mm-hmm. No offense, Flash, but yeah. everyone's bigger than you. Yeah, but, no. Um, and you tombstoned, you tombstoned him, and I was actually like, I said, I remember looking at Ben and just saying, like, oh my god, like he actually did that safe, and you know, because look, I do a tombstone as well, and oh, and I know, and yeah, <laughs> as you would have found out a few times, <laughs> and it's a very dangerous move. Like mm. it's you know, it only takes, um, you know a drop of sweat or you grit, you lose your grip or you haven't squeezed their head enough and, you know, you're talking about paralysing somebody. And and I remember watching you do it thinking, wow, that was so impressive. And it was so entertaining. And this is long before I actually knew that you were this entertaining flash man. Yeah. So, um, yeah, that was the first time I think I ever saw you wrestle. And I remember, you know, giving your props to BJ and saying, like, wow, he's pretty cool. Like, that's pretty funny. And then I think... Um, yeah, then I think when I came to Venom, um, I like bit another, you know, sitting in the crowd story, uh, you know, I think, I think you came out to Madonna's Like a Prayer. Is that what you, is that what you do? <laughs> yes. And, um, <laughs> yes. Yeah. You came out to that and I just, and like your music hit and it was like the crowd just got up on their feet and started clapping and, and, and all that sort of, you know, shit that uh, our lovely audience does. Yeah. And, and I just remember thinking, oh my god, it's the Undertaker kid. Like, <laughs> and this is this is the real like Flash. So, and I just remember seeing both those shows and thinking, like, wow, like mm. for a guy your size, yeah, you understand entertainment, mm-hmm. and that's the most important thing in our, in in this industry. Yeah, well, that's that's strange. I never knew you were at that show because if it's the show I'm thinking of, not the Venom one, because I remember that. I remember seeing Benny afterwards and seeing your face and in the crowd and I remember looking at you and doing like a little in-character wave and you were just sitting there with your arms crossed going you fucking idiot like you're enjoying it but you were just you were saying it with love like this is awesome but it just... I was probably probably saying who the fuck is this kid that's probably what I was saying but... and uh but yeah that that show I think you're thinking of 
Um, the only time I've done a tombstone, I did this. I did this segment. Why do I think it's Bronson Hoy? It's not. It it's was. Not. It was. Was it a guy in rainbow coloured gear? Cause Maybe. Because it, it was two thousand eight. Uh, yeah, I don't know. It was two thousand eight, and I versed a guy called Spider Sam, and I'd come out. And it was. Is he a relation to Slam and Sam? No. <laughs> <laughs> um, it, we. Uh, I did a thing where at that point I hadn't really developed a character, but I could do impressions and. It was my third ever match, and it was like October, so it was Halloween-esque kind of mm. timeline. And yeah, then, that sounds right. And I did the tombstone and, and did it safe and did it properly. And it was the only – I think it was one of the only ever times that I managed to do it. And, yeah, I felt really confident about it. I think it, I think it even got filmed on, like, Bruce 31's Slam Nation – and yeah, ever since then, it was like a thing that every October I would have to do Taker. But that was the first time I attempted and tried it. And I mean, looking back on photos of it now, I go, oh man, denim jeans and white boots. And I'm trying to get away with doing Taker. I had no idea you were at that show though, man. So on to my next question, <laughs> since we've swapped roles here. <laughs> That's nuts. But yeah, we got to work together and um, it it was such a strange sequence of events that turned out to work for the better because I think both you and I went, okay, we'll do one and see what happens. And we did the first one. And then you suckered me into two more. Is that what happened? Yeah, yeah, that's, exactly. Happened. Yeah, yeah, that's yeah. exactly it. Um, but I felt, I think we both agreed that it worked really well. We had a lot of fun. And I think we tried to creatively go, could we do another one out of it? And when we came up with the idea of, because I think the first one you'd hit me with a chair and that technically meant that I won, but there was there was room for, okay, well, let's let's see what would happen now if we win a second time. I think the hardest thing is, is when you, like, look, to, to, to be honest, I wanted to work with you because, A, I knew you were from the IPW, um, you know, genre, of, of guys who I hadn't had a chance to work with. Yep. And then also the thing was is I'd never worked with someone your size. Right. The, Same. the smallest guy I'd ever worked with was, was BJ. Right. And, and I thought he was short. Mm. And, you know, so like when I had the, when you spoke to me about, you know, us working together, I was like, it's a real challenge. Sure. Like everyone, like Hawk used to put me against back in the old days was – always you know probably at least six foot mm -hmm. you know like i said and and that's easy to work with when someone's your size or taller or because you can maneuver around them a lot easier when you work with someone small mm -hmm. you've got to understand well hey i need to make i need to keep my character with some integrity of working with someone small and still putting them over yeah but I also don't want to look like I'm just destroying them because I'm two foot tall. And, sure. Yeah. You know, and it's kind of, and that, and that was the challenge. And that's what I liked about working with you is, is there was that opportunity to come out of my comfort zone and go, well, hey, I need to make this look good, mm. but I also need to make it look believable yeah. and not look, you know, silly in the, in the process. Mm -hmm. And then somehow you managed me to do it two more times. Yeah. So thank you. For that. You're welcome. Uh, yeah, so we got the three-peat, the third one, um, had a lot of fun, and then we came up with the idea, well, okay, it's sort of that mentality of my character was like, yeah, this this guy didn't want to essentially kick my ass in the sense of trying to destroy me, but my character's perception on that was, well, he's motivated me to do better. And then that's when the swerve happened where I turned on my – so that there was like a five-on-five five tag and I turned on one of the partners and you're in the ring as well on the opposite side and it's like, oh, can they do a fourth? Here we go. And we did the swerve, helped you win. Everyone I, – I, I think I told you, but I got inboxed a couple of days later from a random fan that was burning my Flashman guy shirt in a bin because they were so unhappy that I – turned and joined you and so practically what you're telling me is they burnt $25 in a bin <laughs> yeah. how sad and where's that $25 in my in wallet <laughs> so how sad for that guy 
Yeah, but it, it, it was fun because we knew that we thought it would possibly work. But when I got footage of that, it was like, okay, this is going to be something fun. I think the, the best thing is in wrestling is it's so hard these days to to full trick, manipulate the audience, whatever you want to call it. Yeah. Because they've seen everything. Sure, yeah. They you have. know, like wrestling's been around for decades. Mm. Like, you know, even today's WWE, all they do is recycle the seven-year storyline, mm. you know, seven years ago. Yeah. And just put a new spin on it. Like, you know, so it's really hard. And I don't think, and I, I, I honestly believe that I don't think the crowd saw that coming. No, they, they didn't. They didn't. And, you know, because you were so over as a, as a face and, and, you know, I was just this prick of a heel mm-hmm. that they just didn't think, you know, there was, there was kind of no reason like to them as why you would turn at that time. No, there was well. no hint or inkling. No. And so like when it happened, it was like, oh my God. And I think, you know, the timing couldn't be, per- uh, couldn't been better for you because also too, like, you know, I, I know as well, like playing a face for a really long time that it becomes stale and yep. it became like, you get to a point where it's like, whether you win or lose, it's just, it's just night in the same thing over and over again. And you just, you know, you, I, I remember the opportunity for me to turn heel was amazing as mm. Jethro because I couldn't wait yeah. because I'd been a face for so long. All I had to do was come out and stomp my feet and clap my hands and the crowd were, you know, I had the crowd instantly. Mm-hmm. And I loved the fact that it was like, right, now here's the opportunity to, you, you can't do that anymore. Everything that you've learned from day one as a face and from your wrestling career is to make the crowd like you. Mm-hmm. Now you're going to make the crowd hate you. Yeah. And that's harder, I think. I think being a, a, being a heel is a lot harder than being a face these days. And a lot of pe- and, and the, the hardest thing as well is people don't understand the, how to be a heel without giving someone the finger, spitting on them, calling them names. Like you can actually be a heel without having to do those three things. I think it's also on the mentality now with heels is that they're almost beloved in the same way as a face. Like some people just absolutely just love bad guys. Hmm. And no matter what you do as a bad guy, it's very much like a a la Steve Austin thing. Like you could beat up the most over face and they'll still be arguably half the crowd. They'll think it's great. Mm. And that's either because they're overseeing that good guy or they just love bad dudes doing bad things. I think the hardest thing for me these days is, I like this is my personal opinion on mm. pro wrestling. Mm-hmm. I believe that being a face and being a heel is dead. Okay. That, that's my personal opinion. Right. Like I find that in the 80s and in the, in the early 90s, you had, you had your good guys and you had your bad guys. And the good guys fought the bad guys and 90% of the time the good guys won and the other 10%, like, the bad guys won. And, and that worked. Worked for a long time. Now, and, you know, so it's pretty much like, you know, the superhero versus the villain. Mm-hmm. And, and the thing is, to me, that time is now over. We don't live in a world of superheroes and villains yep. anymore. And, you know, to me it's like you're a wrestler and you your character has this persona mm. and you do this, this and this. Now, and then you have another character, you know, and there's another wrestler over here who has this persona and does this, this and this. Now, wrestler A and wrestler B, I may like wrestler A, mm-hmm. And hate wrestler B. Yep. And you might be the other way. Yep. You might be, I like wrestler B, but I hate wrestler A. Sure. Yeah. And it's not so much about heel and facing. It's just, you just don't like what that other wrestler does. Mm -hmm. You know, I had a conversation with someone today about Baron Corbin. Right. I can't stand Baron Corbin. Mm. Like, and, and to be honest, I don't really watch that much wrestling anymore, but I just don't like him. I don't like his character. I don't like you know, what he wears, 
I don't find his moves exciting. But that doesn't make him a heel. Mm. That just makes him someone who I don't want to watch. Sure. Where, you know, someone like Bray Wyatt, I look at and I go, I find him entertaining. I find his character entertaining. I find his moves look, you know, he doesn't have the wrestler body that every, you know, every, you know, guys like Triple H and The Rock and Steve Austin and all them look like. Yeah. But that's who I kind of like. Now, in in the olden terms, it's like, well, Bray, Ro- Bray Wyatt is a heel mm-hmm. because of how they portray him. But I like him. I like watching what he does, you know. So it's like, do you know what I mean? Like, it, it's yeah, like, I do. do, you know, do we really still live in the world of wrestling where there's good guys and bad guys anymore? I think there's there is like a niche market for it, and there are some people that still enjoy that concept of wrestling. But they're called children. Yeah, well, yeah. Um, but I I do agree that the product is so overexposed now that when any any time a documentary or a biography DVD comes out, it just pretty much reveals everything. And that's something that's not necessarily to say it's a bad thing, but it does make it a lot harder for for guys that is, are aren't on that echelon or on, on that level to create that vibe of no you have to boo me no you have to cheer me um i think for me i've, I've kind of been uniquely pigeonholed from a frame perspective that a lot of the, the kids and children and young families and things like that automatically drift to me because by default they look at me and go oh he's one of us because it's from a frame perspective they think i'm the same size as them i look young Oh, he's he's literally fighting as a kid. So a lot of kids and young adults are drawn to me because they go, yeah, this is great. But that sort of alienates, you know, teenagers, young adults, adults, and further on. I think it's taken me this amount of time now to go, okay, there's a way to sort of connect with them. It may not be in the whole classic good guy, like high five everyone, wave at the kids, kiss a baby. You know, it's not... You from, kiss babies? Well, you know what I mean. Like, it's not, you know what I mean. Not on the mouth, you weirdo. Um, but it's not, it, it's not done in the default way anymore. I think there is a way to still be represented as obviously a good guy and a bad guy, whether it be through actions that we do in the ring or the promos that set up whatever match is coming each and every month. But I agree it's not done in the way that we have grown up with it. Mm-hmm. Um, not in the whole 80s and 90s, like, you know, Hulk Hogan, say prayers, eat your vitamins, and the Ric Flair, you know, it's cool to be bad, you know, Jim's limousine ride, jet flying, the Rolex wearing, steal your girl kind of vibe. That kind of mentality is a lot harder to represent arguably 20, 30 years later. And I understand that, but I think there is still a sort of modernized way to still get that reaction mm-hmm. but it's it is i agree it is a lot harder and that old way seemingly now is dead there are still people that will come to shows and want to cheer the hero and will literally boo and to some extent depending on what kind of venue it is and how many beverages and liquid courages they've had <laughs> swear at the heel um but yeah the the old sort of chemistry and the, and the psychology of Hello, I'm nice. Hello, I'm bad. And together, we're going to fight. That's dead. Mm. But there is still a way to recreate that, but not in the old generic formula that we're accustomed to. Mm-hmm. Because, you know, kayfabe, kayfabe with social media, I feel like it, it's not quote-unquote dead, but it is very open-ended. Like, you can see a lot behind the curtain now. Mm-hmm. Uh, but there, there is still those times where you'll get it all the time. You'll get it on Facebook you know, Instagram, Twitter, and you'll see all the dirt sheets go, oh, you know, this wrestler responded to this person on Twitter. Looks like they're going to fight next month. They'll still buy into it. Mm. Even though 90% of their tweets, 90% of their Instagram photos, 90% of their posts are just them at home doing everyday life things. But the minute another wrestler interacts with another wrestler on social media, how many dirt sheets go, this person commented on this, and oh my God, looks like they've got beef behind the scenes. And it's like, have Emotion they? Emotion sells, mate. That's the problem. That's People but that's buy into it. that's the trick these days is that you have to generate that old familiar feeling, that old vibe of, hang on, looks like this is going to turn into a thing. Hang on, this they're not getting along. 
or, you know, oh, that comment was really nasty, or they're a bad guy, and they're just promoting their life. They're the good guy. You get in that same mm. dynamic, but it's done in a very modernized way. But that's, but that's what it is like now. And for, for a guy of your caliber, like I said at the beginning of this podcast, I was exposed to what you had done way before I started because I joined in 2008 and rewinding eight, arguably nine years time earlier, we're talking 99, 2000 here. Mm-hmm. You had then just signed up to what was then known as WCW Australia. Were you a fan of the business before you got involved in it, like growing up as a kid, or did it sort of come later on? Like what was, what was growing up for you like? Um, no, I was never really a fan of, of pro wrestling growing up. Like, you know, you, you hear all these wrestling stories of guys who say, oh, like it was it's my dream to be WWE champion when I was five years old and all that sort of stuff. And, and it never was for me. Like, um, you know, like I, I, I remember seeing WrestleMania 1 because – I was a big fan of the A team and Mr. T was in it. Like I actually had <laughs> right. no I had no interest in Hulk Hogan and and Roddy Piper and, and all them. Like it was just like, you know, like I'm a um, I'm an eighties kid and you know, back then it was the A team and Mr. T and that was their um, promotional tool at the time was using that. Mm-hmm. And so that was why I watched it. And I and I saw it so I saw it then and then it was about uh, 98, I think it was, um, I, um, you know, I was, I was in a band at the time Okay. and, um, I used to play drums in a, in some local bands and, and we were on, we were on tour and we were, we'd done a show and, and wrestling came on late at night and, um, I got talking with the bass player and I was like, oh my God, like, check out this, like, you know, and. 98 was kind of like the bit of the boom of the wrestling industry and and Steve Austin was like a, you know, big part of that. Yeah. And and I just remember seeing um, Austin like stun Vince and, and I was like, oh, my God, like check out this. Like, you know, the, you know, the working class man like gets to stun his boss and tell him to F you and, yeah. you know, and then smash beers together and like it was amazing and, you know, we got chatting about it, and um, he turned around. He actually knew Cruz, right? Okay, um, from the Gold Coast, and and I thought he was just having me on. You know, being that late at night and being under the influence of alcohol, like I just thought it was a big rib. And he was like, "No," like he's like, "You know, I used to I used to play soccer with Cruz," and I was like, "Okay." And he's like, "His dad runs a wrestling company," and I was like, "Oh, here we go." Yeah, Car- yeah, turn it up, and then. Um, so anyway, like we got back to the coast um, a week later and, and then we were um, we were just sitting around the house and he's like, oh, he's like uh, what were the WCW Australia at the time. Mm-hmm. And he's like, they've got a show on this weekend at Narang Basketball Stadium. Yep. You know, which has since been demolished. And um, he's like, you know, he's like, I'll get in contact with Cruz and we'll get some tickets, we'll go. And I was like, oh, this will be fun. And was this the Southport Basketball? Yeah. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah, Southport Basketball Stadium. And, um, you know, so we went to the show and, and met, a, met a few of the guys. And um, Thor, first guy I ever had wow. a conversation with. Yeah. And, um, you know, and also, too, like when I actually, you know, did start wrestling, he was a big part of um of my training actually taught me a lot of things about how to work a crowd and, and all that sort of stuff so thanks Thor for that um looks nothing like the the Thor from um from Marvel that's for sure but that's a different <laughs> subject altogether <laughs> yeah. yeah yeah but um anyway so we met um we met Cruz and then I got to meet Hawk mm-hmm. which was uh, uh an interesting meeting as you would know how like, was your meeting with him very loud yep. and um, very straight to the point, um, yep. you know. And um, so we got chatting and, you know, my mate being the prick that he is, he, you know, threw me under the bus and said, oh, you know, Jethro wants to learn how to wrestle, you know, and thinks it, thinks it looks easy and, you know, he, could, <laughs> you know, he reckons he could do it. And, and, like, you know, anyone who knows Hawk, he put on that, you know, that big, 
grunty voice of his and he's like, you think you've got what it takes? Mm-hmm. See you Monday. Come down to the training centre. And I was like, oh, shit. And part of me just went, no way. Yeah. No way. He's yeah, just yeah, going to yeah. kick the shit out of me for like two hours. And um, so anyway, like, um, you know, he gave they, he gave me his card with his address and, mm. you know, this was when um, – this is when the uh, the sweatshop was in Ashmore. Right, okay. And years, you know, got. And um, so, yeah, so I just got to Monday morning and I just thought, you know what? What have I got to lose? Yeah, of course. Went down and um, trained for a couple of hours with Hawk and, oh, my God, just beat the living shit out of me for <laughs> two hours. And then I woke up the next day and felt like, I've been run over by a Mack truck and then felt like it had reversed over me again mm-hmm. because it was that that bad. And part of me just thought, oh, my God, I never want to do that again. And mm. then that crazy, stupid part that every wrestler has in their brain just went, oh, my God, go do that again. That was fun. And, you know, in February it will be 20 years since I started and that's not stupid me I'm still doing it at my age but so yeah. 20 years ago what was the company established by the time you'd rock up they'd done a few shows yeah like I, I don't know exactly how long it'd been going um do you remember who was there when you went in to train the first time like oh uh, when I went to the first training um the first training week I remember like sweet sweet ass was there ash um thor monk Harley Seth, uh, Kid Harmony, um, just all those old school guys that have since obviously, um, you know, stopped. Um, oh, my God, I've just run a blank with so many names. Um, but, yeah, like just most of the guys who have since stopped, Yeah, you know. Jackaroo, he was there as well. Um, was Saxon there at that point? No, he, he came later and... Um, yeah. So what year was this? Oh, this is 2000? You want to say 2000, Yeah, I'd say 2000 because I'm pretty sure I did my first show in 2001. So how long were you training for? So you, you had the first initial training and that was, what, on the Monday roughly? Mm-hmm. Did you literally, was it every no, day that I week? I did my first show on the Saturday. No, I'm kidding. Yeah. <laughs> were you, no. um, was it, was it everyday training or was it once a week? No, it was, um, so back then he had training Monday, like I went down and did the initial training to see if I wanted to do it. And yeah. then, then they had, they trained Monday, Wednesday, Friday night. Yep. I think it was like six to eight or mm-hmm. something like that. And then Sunday, uh, sorry, Saturday, nine to 12. So pretty much I did my first training Monday morning and then. Wednesday night, I went back. Mm-hmm. And how long were you training for before the conversation came up of uh, getting you on a show? Did you? Were you able to pick it up pretty quick, or was there a sort of? I was terrible. Oh really? I was absolutely shit. Um, oh, so nothing's changed. No, no. I just, uh, I, just <laughs> no hide, I just hide. I'm it kidding. better. I just I'm hide kidding. it better these days. Yeah. Um, you know, there's a lot. I think what people don't understand is with pro wrestling, there's a lot involved in it. It's not oh, just. Yeah. You know, like I have been a wrestler, I've been a promoter, I've been a trainer. Like the amount of guys who've come to me and their first ever training session, they say, so when do we jump off the top rope? Yeah. Like which irritates me to no end. Yeah, I hear But, that. you know, like there's so much involved in wrestling. Like I, my first session I spent just bumping. That's all I did. I think maybe he taught me how to lock up in a headlock. Okay. And that was about it. Um, Who was training you at that point back then? Hawk. Hawk was? Yeah. Wow. Hawk was. Um, you know, and I did do some stuff with Cruz, um, not much, but it was mainly, um, you know, and then that was kind of my initial and then, like, and then I just started in the classes. Mm-hmm. Um, but it was mainly Hawk. One thing about Hawk is he had he just had the ability to – to teach you without actually having to get in the ring. Yeah. And 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 that's one thing that like just amazed me with him that, yeah, he would just, he had his little deck, you know, his little director's chair that he used to have. And, you know, 
The thing was, is with Hawk, is if he had to get out of that chair and get in the ring and show you, you just you just got out of the way because you knew whoever whoever he had to show someone to was going to cop it. Yeah. And that, so, yeah, he just had that ability to do mm. it, and which is amazing. But, yeah, like, you know, you got bumping and then you got, you know, running the ropes and then you've got uh, working with another person and then you've got crowd interaction and then you've got, you know, establishing a character and, and a moveset and, mm. you know, are you going to be hated? Are you going to be liked? Like... You know, there's just so much that goes into wrestling where I think a lot of people think that wrestling is just two people doing fake shit yeah, in the ring. Costumes and, and choreographs. Yeah, and yeah. then jumping off the top rope. Mm. And that's and that's far from it. So for yourself, how long was it then? Your first initial, first initial training, you get hooked. Mm-hmm. feel like you've been run over, but you thought, man, I'm, I've got that itch, I've got that bug. Um do you remember how long it was before the conversation? Did Hawk approach you after some time and said, hey, we're thinking about putting you on the show? The, the worst part of it all was I was not ready. But stupid. Was that nerves? or were you No, nervous? like I just, like I, looking back now, I will say I was not ready to be on that, for, that yeah. on my first show. But back then, were you excited? But back then, yeah. I was like, yeah. I was like every week. Because the thing was is when... When I started this, I was like Monday, Wednesday, Friday, Saturday morning. Like mm-hmm. I was there like any any chance I could. Yeah. And if and if Hawk had someone who he wanted to train on a Sunday, I'd be the first person to put my hand up and say, hey, I'll come. <laughs> and so because I did so many hours, I just felt like, well, I'm ready. Sure. Because I've done so many hours. Yeah. But that is not the case. That is not how wrestling works. And so I pretty much... I just kept begging him to put me on. And then it was one of those things where I don't think, I think they just had a spot on the card, someone like pulled out or someone couldn't make it Mm -hmm. or they just were like, you know, just shut him up and just give him a go. Like, and um, yeah, and I just went out there thinking my shit don't stink and clearly it did because the match stunk. But it was fun though. Like I just, I pretty much just got thrown around. Yep. You know, I think I got like maybe a couple of moves in. Mm-hmm. I got to, yeah. I think I think the biggest thing that I did is I did a a sit down suplex, like front suplex. Yep, yep, yep. And he kicked out. So which I thought was a pretty cool finisher at the time, but accordingly, <laughs> but not to that guy. Um, <laughs> so yeah, but it was. You know, and you just you, you you walk backstage and you don't expect anyone to give you, you know, like, oh that was a great match. Like I was just I was just so excited mm. from from being like being out there. Mm. And the thing was is anyone who's done wrestling and done their first match knows that it's so daunting because even if you you know, you you work out your match in your head of how it's gonna go. When you actually get out there, I call it a brain fart, mm-hmm. like to most guys, and you just go blank and yeah. you forget everything you've learned. You've got all these eyes on you, like watching you. You've got all these bright lights. It, it's really, really scary to mm. be out there. Mm. And then, you know, and then also too, you've got to remember, you've got someone's body in your hands. Sure. That you have to not screw this up. Yeah. Because you don't want to injure the guy. Mm. So, yeah, so I'd say it was probably, I'm probably going to say somewhere between four to six months I was on, wow. I was on my first show, but clearly I could have done a year of training before I got out there. Did you have a name or anything when you debuted? <laughs> it wasn't as good as Peppy, but yeah. it... Um, <laughs> Uh, so Hawk came up with the idea because I was a drummer okay. in, a, in a band. Mm-hmm. He had this character from the seventies. He knew a guy who was called Wild Thing. Wild and, Thing. Wild Thing. And, yeah. it, and but it was a very Elvis Presley kind of character. Okay. So so Hawk kind of felt like, oh hey, you're into music. The music character that I know 
was this guy who used to dress like Elvis Presley and we called him Wild Thing. Right. And at the time I was like, Wild Thing, that's pretty cool. I don't like the idea of me dressing up as Elvis, Elvis. Presley. Yeah, yeah. So anyway, so he so he pretty much he gave me these blue shorts that had Wild down one side and Thing down the other. And then this yellow, and I had a thing for muscle tops at the time, like cut off sleeves, like like <laughs> t-shirts with cut off sleeves. Okay. So I thought it'd be really cool to have like a like a muscle like a muscle top, but then he picked like bright yellow for that, and then had like music <laughs> notes on it. So oh, so wow. you can imagine, so like I'm the six foot guy, I've got bright blue pants on that's got wild down one side thing down the other i've got yeah. this bright yellow muscle top on with like you know black music notes on okay and i had a bit of a thing for jeff jarrett at the time like i thought jeff jarrett was pretty cool and this was when he was in wcw and wearing the the yellow, oh, glasses. The yellow glasses. So yeah. I thought, hey, they'll go well with my yellow top. Oh, no. um, so yeah, <laughs> let's let's just say let, let, let's just glad it's it's probably glad that it's on VHS sitting in my basement somewhere, and that's the only place. Wow, it's ever so there's gonna... no photos. I hope not. Oh man! So you got to remember, I'm so old that this is before mobile phones. Yeah. So if someone actually had a photo of it, they would have actually had to take their little Kodak disposable thing wind and take, it wind it up, take it to Kmart and get it developed. So, man, what a develop- hope, so yeah, so hopefully there is no photos of that. <laughs> what a develop that would be, man. Mm. So how long, so you had your first show, kind of stunk to bed or at least you felt like it did. Was the wild thing a character that continued on for a couple of months after? Were you like a were you a permanent resident on the shows after that point, or were you sort of taking? I that was pretty on? much. Look, I'm not going to sit here and toot my own horn, but I, I I think what happened was I got good at making other people look good, which in our right. in our industry is job squad. Called, <laughs> called being a jobber. Um, yeah, yeah. That was one thing that I just seemed to be good at was making other guys look good. I would take all their finishes. I would, I wouldn't, you know, half take them. I'd take them, you know, the, the right way and, and make them look good. And so, yeah, so I'm pretty sure I'm going to say probably June to probably December, I probably spent as wild thing. Yep. And then I just got to a point where I said to Pete, this is not working. Mm. I don't, I don't want to quit wrestling, but I don't, I don't enjoy this wild thing character. Right. And and Pete and Pete was just like, well, what else do you got? Mm-hmm. And I said nothing. And then it was just lucky that show. There was a guy at the time called Hillbilly Jed, who did a match, um, and he got a bit of a ass whooping. Okay. I would say. Um, he was in a match that he probably shouldn't have been in um, and he came backstage. He was um, a bit sort of emotional about it. He ended up leaving the company and so that character kind of um, became open. So I remember um, sitting with Pete in training and, and I said, what's happening with Jed? Hmm. And he said, oh, he's, he's done, he's gone. Right. And so I said, look, I said, I want that character. Mm-hmm. And he's like, Hillbilly Jed. And then I said, yeah, but I don't want to be called Hillbilly Jed mm-hmm. because it sounded too much like Hillbilly Jim. Mm-hmm. And so I said, well, he's like, well, what name have you got? And I said, well, I don't know. I yep. said, but I said, look, I said, I used to grow, I grew up on a farm. Mm-hmm. And so I kind of feel like that's, you. Always, he always used to say to you, you need to find something that connects with you yep. and then just turn it up. Yeah. And so I said, well, I don't know. I said, but that, that to me seems easier to work than working this wild thing character that's not working. Okay. And at the time, there, um, Beverly Hillbillies was on the TV. Yep. And um, so he just looked up at the TV and I'm pretty sure the boy's name is Jethro in the Beverly Hillbillies. Okay. And he just looked at the TV and he went, Jethro. And I just went, Yeah. Works for me. And <laughs> so that's, that was it. And right. then, he, then he put me in some overalls and gave me a goofy farm boy hat. Yeah. I had long hair at the time. And um, 
Yeah, I became the goofy old Jethro, stomp your feet, clap your hands, Cotton Eye Joe character. Wow, so you actually came out to Cotton Eye Joe back yeah, then? Yeah, I did. I wow. did. Another one of Pete's decisions that I just went, yep, I'm just happy I got rid of the wild thing. So. Right. So at this point now, is it still WCW Australia by now, or are you in MIW at this stage? Yeah, it was still WCW Australia, and then um, they pretty much transitioned. I think that went on for a few more, a few months, and then we did the transition to the major impact shows. Um, so then it, from there it became uh, major <laughs> impact wrestling. Because there are a couple of major impact shows that still reference the belts as WCW Hardcore, WCW Tag, mm. WCW Australia. I think it was just that transition of like, you know, look, the name WCW Australia had some, look, I'm, I'm not going to go into it because I don't know the full story, but I know there was some, some copyrights to those. Because of the Ted Turner stuff. Because of the Ted Turner stuff. Yep. It was also started, um, you know, with some other people. So there was some, there was some legal stuff there. So I think what they decided was, hey, let's branch away from that. And, and we were also going from a basketball stadium mm-hmm. to actually going to Southport Sharks where we were going to do these big shows like where the first show we had Steve Carino and C.W. Anderson come. Right, right. So it was like, hey, let's transition over to the Major Impact shows, which then became Major Impact Australia. And then I think it was just the process of, you know, at the time, um, I think Dallas was the champion going into those shows. So he was still the TCW Australia champion. So... Um, WCW? Hey? The WCW champion? Yeah. Is that yeah. what I said? No, you said TCW. Oh, wow. <laughs> Let's not talk about that. <laughs> so I think going into that, Dallas was the um, WCW Australia champion. Okay. And so going into that big show, it's like, well, we just didn't have time to transition the belts. And I think... That the show, plates and everything. Yeah, yeah, the plates and everything. And so from there, I I won the title from Dallas that night. Was that your first big title win? No, it was my second. Okay. Um, so I'd won the title from Dallas and then I'm pretty sure like the, um, the belt was kind of just became the major impact belt from there. Right, okay. So, yeah. so that was your second one. Mm-hmm. Was it the second time you had the main tier belt or just your second belt in general? So that was the second time that I had the WCW Australia belt. How long into your career was it when you won your first title? So I would say eight months after I debuted, Mm -hmm. I changed my character from Wild Thing to Jethro. Wow, you stuck with it for eight months. Okay. Eight months. Yep. And then... Pretty much the show after I debuted as Jethro, I won the title. Wow. So, so roughly 10, 11 months. Yeah. Now, you're saying in your first match you didn't feel ready. Did you feel ready by this stage? No, 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 no. Well, do you remember what the decision was as to why you were winning? The thing, the thing was, is, and the reason I got it is because the Jethro character worked. Right. Like, I hated it, but the crowd loved it. Right. And the thing is, and Pete saw that. Pete saw that, like, you know, it's it's like when your music hits, right? Mm-hmm. Your music hits. Yeah. And the crowd know who's coming. Yeah. And the thing is, is, like, with my music, I had that stompy, stomp your feet, clap your hands thing to it yeah so pretty much as soon as and everyone knows cotton eye joe mm-hmm. like it's not like a song that hardly anyone knows like sure. a lot of people know that song yeah so as soon as it hits i would be backstage stomping my foot on the wooden floor to get the crowd into it and pete loved that okay and that was the first time i learned about crowd interaction yeah i was like so all i've got to do is do this and the crowd will love me yeah and so that's what worked and pete saw that and pete's like right and at the time, uh, Thor had just left the company. Okay. And so the, the title was vacant. Oh, it was vacant. Okay. Yeah. 
So my first title match was a coffin match. Jeez. Yeah. Something I'd never seen before, something I'd never done before. Mm -hmm. So it was me and the pharaoh. Yep. Um, so pretty much I took on a mummy in a, <laughs> in a coffin match. Yep. And um, I cheated to win and, um, yeah, I, that was how I became the champion. Wow. Mm -hmm. Okay, so that was the first time. Mm-hmm. And then fast forward the hands of time till how long was it till the second one happened at Major So we brought in, so Dallas, um, who is a former Auckland warrior yep. from New Zealand, he joined the company. And you can imagine what an Auckland warrior looks like. Oh, yeah. Like, you know, it was like looking at Brock Lesnar. Yeah. And um, I just remember, uh, I remember going to training one day and, and Pete said to me, he's like, Lee, he's like, I want you to work with Dallas. Actually, I'm going to stop you there. Mm. So I just remember Pete coming to me and saying, Jethro, I want you to work with Dallas. Mm. And I said, okay, cool. And, and I just shook his hand, like had a hell of a grip on him and, you know, <laughs> big dude. And he and I didn't know this, but Dallas had been training with him for a, a quite a while. Okay. And um, so, you know, Pete was sitting in his director's chair and, and yep. Pete said, put a headlock on him. I was like, okay. So we locked up, put a headlock on him. And then he just said, he just said out loud, he just goes, Dallas, now. And next thing I knew, I was in the air. <laughs> I almost hit the roof and I came down like in a power bomb style. Oh. Now, I didn't do anything to help that. Yep. It was just pretty much I had the headlock on him. Next thing I was in the air and I got power bombed. And Jeez. I just remember looking up at Pete and going and just pretty much mouthing, what the F just happened? Yeah. And Pete just looked at me and just went, he's strong, isn't he? And I was like, yeah. He's like, you too, next show. Wow. Mm -hmm. And that was my first loss, was, a, was against Dallas. Yikes. So, yeah. And so, yeah, you know, obviously uh, returned the favour, you know, a few months later. At Major Impact 1? Mm-hmm. I actually, and once again, cheated to win. Like, <laughs> I hit him with a, um, a slop bucket behind the referee's back. Slop bucket. Yeah, and actually busted his nose. Oh. And I, um, but like obviously this is all accident. Yep, and, sure. And um, the after party, I pretty much had his uh, wife yell at me for about 15 minutes for busting his nose open. Something we still laugh about to this day. Jeez. So, yeah, I was more scared of his wife than I actually was of Dallas. <laughs> Man, I, I I knew of Dallas. I saw him at the reunion show, which we'll eventually get into. But I had the chance to work with him when we started a company in about 2013, 2014, up in a West End called QPW. Mm -hmm. And we did a tag match where there was a guy called uh, Savage and his partner was Dallas against me and my partner was Island Boy Cy. Mm -hmm. And at one point, Dallas got me up in the gorilla press with one hand and he's just clearly walking around the ring, doesn't... I'm you know, surprised he had to use his whole hand to get you up there, but yeah, anyway. so am I. And he put me down, he brushed my shoulders off and I remember seeing his arm wind back and I remember thinking, mm, just the beginning of no. And I couldn't even in my mind say the word no it went to and then it just went whoosh. And I remember just hearing like, it was like Saving Private Ryan. I remember opening my eyes and hearing nee, just that sort of post grenade sound. And everyone's like, woo, 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 woo. like everything's muffled. And, uh, <laughs> and I remember just army crawling my way over to Island Boy and just tagging him out going, that was ridiculous. So I'll tell you a real funny story real quick about, about Dallas. Yeah. He wrestled um, Monk okay. at, a, at an IPW show. Mm -hmm. and, and I don't know if they had a falling out before the show or not, but Dallas whipped him off and he swung for a clothesline mm -hmm. and he hit Monk so hard with his, with his arm mm. that Monk's, like Monk's teeth 
was imprinted yikes. on Dallas's like bicep. Oh yikes! I have never like, and Monk is like, he's a big guy. Like mm-hmm. he's not a small fella. And you know, we're talking someone. It took a lot to get off his feet, and he clotheslined him, and Monk just—it was like someone yelling "Timber!"—and he just went. Was he KO'd? They finished the match. I don't know if he was KO'd or concussed or whatever, but I just remember Dallas come back, came backstage, and he's like, "Hey, J Ro, look at this!" And just seeing like a, a just seeing like a full set of dentures, oh. <laughs> like imprinted on a guy's arm. Never, yeah, funniest thing I ever seen from Dallas. That's ridiculous. That's nuts, man. Yeah, he's a he's a big dude. He's a beast. Um. So you win your you win your second title in what was this two thousand one two thousand two? Yeah, so we're getting we're getting along too. Well, major impact was two thousand and three, wasn't it? I feel like it was. I don't know. My timeline's terrible. Do you yeah. have any shots to the head I've had over the yeah, years? Yeah, so, yeah. But no. I, I'm gonna say that we're probably around. Major impact would have probably been about two thousand three. Okay, I'm, I'm guessing something like that. So you're about three years into your career at this point. Yeah, probably a couple of years. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Yeah, okay. So at this point, Jethro is what established for about a year, year and a half? Mm-hmm. Okay, so your second title win comes and... I held it for... Um, I held it for probably about four months. I think it was like major impact four or five. I think I lost to Jackaroo. I turned on my... I turned on my tag partner, Jackaroo, because at the time we were also the tag team champions. Oh, okay. So uh, you were dual champ. Yeah, so I was a dual champ at the time. Like Peter thought having Jethro and Jackaroo together as the Outbackers was a you know bit of a Bushwhackers sort of rip-off sort right. of thing, yep, so, yep. which the crowd loved because so, mm-hmm. Jackaroo was over as can be. Yep. Um, so I turned on him at Major Impact 2 and that was when I turned heel. Mm-hmm. Uh, so we'd been we'd been mouthing each other, but there had been no contact. And then I think it was about Major Impact five. Um, we finally got in the ring together, and um, yeah, he beat me, and that was that was my loss to Jackaroo. Wow! Okay. And then um, yeah, I was there. Uh, I think it was Major Impact seven. I fought BJ, and then I left the company not long after that. Was this about 2006, 2007? No, this is 2003. So there was all. So there was a lot of major impact. Shows. So major impact was month was monthly. Right. Okay. Mm-hmm. So they didn't. It wasn't like an annual sort of WrestleMania esque no, event. No, no, it was no. Just... It was it was monthly. Like it was pretty much like, um, yeah, every month. We you know we um, think January. I'm gonna say something like January. 14th, 2003, I think was like Major Impact 1, something like that. And then it was just monthly, so pretty much. Wow. Mm. So what drove you to the point after all these shows, after seven Major Impact shows, you're, you're, you're a dual champion, you've got a pretty solidified story in the company at that point. Like it's a it's an angle that people want to care about and invest in. Mm. What drove you at that point in 2003 after those shows to go, I'm out of here? I think it was just the point of um, I'd done some stupid shit in my time, like, you know, like Major Impact uh, 2, I did a table match with Cruz. Major Impact 3, I did a five stages of hell match with Grave Tavern, probably one of my most fun matches, but, you know, just dumb stuff. Previously leading up to those matches, I'd done, you know, stupid bumps that, you know, when you're young and hungry in wrestling, you kind of think you have to do big moves and and to, to wow the fans. Like, sure, yeah. Where now I've kind of learnt that you wow the fans by having a character that appeals to them, mm-hmm. not how, you know, can you stand on the top rope and be suplexed off yep. there. Um, so yeah, I was just a bit burnt out. And the thing is too, like when I started, I was wrestling four times a week in training. Yeah. Like, and you know, I would be in there from the moment we start to the moment we finish. Mm -hmm. Like I wouldn't just get in there and do 15 minutes and sit there and talk crap. Like 
I'd be in there for two hours, like bumping and bumping. So pro wrestling is, you know, whatever you want to, however you want to call, whatever you want to call it, fake or, you know, entertainment or whatever that is, it takes a toll on your body. And, yeah. You know, so I just, um, I just wanted to have a break. And, and I felt like I'd been as high as I could at the time. So it was time to kind of take a bit of a step back. And then, um, yeah, so I just kind of took some time away. And um, so then 2004, I had the opportunity to move away to Tasmania. Okay. So I went down to there for about, um, I went down to there for about eight months, nine months just to get away. And then um, I pretty much had some work opportunities to come back to the coast. So then I came back to the coast, um, started doing, started wrestling again, just doing some shows here and there. Mm-hmm. Um, and then which pretty much led up to 2007 and then I moved down to Tasmania and I was there for 11 years. So what did you do during the time off when you, you said you felt a bit burnt out, you left the company? What, did, what was life like? Where, where did you go and what did you do during that time before coming back again? Um, well, first of all, I just kind of took the time to reassess like where I was in life. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, 2000 and, 2007, I... I did a ladder match. No, the first time. Hey? Because you said you've got burnt out in 2003? Oh, yeah, 2004. Yes, and then you left for a bit and then you came back. Yeah, so 2004, I just kind of just wanted to take a break. And the problem is with wrestling is you're either in or you're either out. Yeah. Like there's no like, oh, hey, I might do this show, but then I won't do the next two. And then, you know, there's no part-time no. In, in, in wrestling in Queensland. Yeah, well, it's not like any other sport, like with basketball's like a game, yeah. a, game a week or whatever. You, yeah. You're on it was like It was like, so, hey, we want you. And there, and there were times that before we did the, I think it was before we did the big shows, it was every week at Southport, like every Saturday night. Yeah. And like that, you know, you can imagine being choke slammed and power bombed and superplexed, like all that stuff, like hey, every man. every Saturday night. Hey man, I get it. When you came back and I played the music and got that evil look, at that point we were doing those shows every week in that mm. sweatshop. So yeah, I get it. Yeah, so that that kind of, you know, you, and, and let's just say like I, I wasn't in bad shape, but I wasn't learning. I, I didn't understand about really looking after my body like like working out properly and um you know getting massages and Mm. you know recuperating your muscles and like you know i'd never i just kind of just beat the shit out of myself and then got up next day and blah 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 totally hear you yeah so yeah so i was a bit burnt out that first time Mm -hmm. and then it was nice to take that break because like i said you're either in or you're out Yep. There's no in between. No. So I was out. And then, so then I came back and then I said to Pete, I said, look, I'm just pretty happy to just not be, not be a main draw. I just want to help out. I just want to like, you know, if you've got guys you want me to put over or, you know, if you just want me to do a show here and there, I'm happy to do that. And And he was pretty happy with that because obviously I've been gone for a while. There was a new, you know, it's like, you know, wrestling is, is like an engine, you know, and we're all parts of it. And then, you know, we get taken out we get replaced Mm -hmm. and you, you know, you might come back, you might not. And, but the, the wheel keeps turning. Absolutely. How long did you take off? Do you remember? The first time? Mm -hmm. Uh, Just nine months. Right. Yeah. So it wasn't long. Um, were you establishing your life outside of wrestling at that point? Like, were you doing things? Because although wrestling played a huge part, was there other avenues that you were proceeding other than being inside the squared circle? No, just I just think I just I think wrestling had taken up so much of my time. Yeah, like I like when I took up wrestling, I stopped playing drums. 
Like, okay. like I still played drums at home, but... It was more a hobby rather than... It was more of a hobby. Yeah. It wasn't like, hey, I'm going to go do a gig on a Saturday night. Because you're getting that live event kick out of shows. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. So, yeah. so, yeah, no, it was just more about, you know, I had a partner at the time and just trying to settle down a little bit. Just do life for a just bit. Just do life, yeah. you know. Like, you know, because we do... Like, I joked about it at the start of the interview. Like, we dress up in tights and play fight. Sure. As people call it. Mm-hmm. You know, so, you know, like it's... You get to a point where you're it's like, nice to wear normal clothes for a bit. Yeah, just like, you know, I probably should. I probably should grow up a little bit. Is mm-hmm. what I was probably trying to think. So you know, and I was just kind of like I said, I um, was just kind of settling down a little bit. So I just thought it's time to just have some me time. Did you make the call, or did someone drag you back in? Oh, look. All right, that's the end of part one with Diablo. I know I had to pause it at a good cliffhanger moment, but hey, tune in next week for part two. If you haven't done so already, please hit up the Facebook, Instagram, and Twitter of the Little Man Big Conversation podcast at LMBC Podcast on Facebook and Instagram and at LMBC underscore podcast on Twitter. And hey, while we're at it, we're closing the episode out. Thank you all very much for over 1,000 plays. This podcast has just been going now for close to 11 on the cusp of 12 weeks. Never would have thought I got over 100. You guys have done the absolute brilliance, absolute gold medal performance. I've been liking, sharing, tweeting, hashtagging, doing all the cool stuff to get those plays up there. I appreciate it so much, and I'll catch you next week. <laughs>